Okay, Revelation 15, 5. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So something just, something deserved, something righteous is about to take place. And the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans reminded us that the Lord says, Vengeance is mine, I shall repay. This is the kind of thing he was talking about. We in this life aren't supposed to take vengeance upon others for their sins against us. We are supposed to wait upon the Lord to do that. Then it is full, then it is complete, then it is righteous, then it is perfect. Revelation 16 John writes, I heard a voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful swords came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. And the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard an angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets and have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched with fierce heat <clears throat> and they cursed the name of God who gave power over them over those plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. The people gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east, of the east, from the east. So you can probably see thus far the language sounds a lot like the description of the plagues of Egypt. The boils, the blood, the water turned to blood, the, the suffering, all of this is just a reminder that God is going to bring full justice, full punishment upon the sins of the world. 
upon all those who are marked with the mark of the beast. And it's really quite remarkable. And we can almost be, see the confirmation today how rebellious and angry and violent and bitter people are to, today. We can see them in the newscast. They did not repent and give him glory. Out of all of the suffering that God will bring upon this world, we will, we will not see any repentance. Because once it's gone so far, people will have no tenderness in their heart. They will be stone cold. They will be rebellious. They will be ready for God's wrath. verse 10 it says the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast it's not just upon it's not just upon this world this is a declaration that God's judgment will be upon Satan himself upon his throne upon his authority it will end he's going to put an end to that now as we let me remind you as we read through Revelation as we look through this book we see Recapitulation. He's telling us what's going to happen over and over again, and in each step, each level, each uh, telling, he gives us more detail. So some of this stuff we've seen before, but each time it's just kind of renewed. And as we look at this book, he tells us seven times the number of perfection, the number of completion. So we can know that it shall come to pass. And we know that some of it, as we've already seen, is coming to pass now. And has been coming to pass through each and every age and each and every generation. Verse 13 of chapter 16. I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. Again, another allusion to the curses of Egypt. The plague of frogs that came up. I mean, for if you understood anything about the ancient Egyptians, you've probably seen the pictures of them in the pictographs along with their hieroglyphs. Egyptians were obsessed with cleanliness. That's why you always saw them with their hair, hair, I mean, they shaved everything except a tuft of hair on their scalp. They kept clean. And when these curses came and all the flies and the gnats and the frogs, I mean, it just made them sick. God was trying to drive them to repentance. God was trying to drive them, drive Pharaoh and the people of Egypt to let his people go. So in John's vision, he is showing that same kind of thing, only this time these unclean spirits that are coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, are like frogs. They are offensive. They portray 
uncleanness and filth. They are demonic spirits, verse 14. And watch, performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. These offensive demonic spirits are influencing the world, gathering the armies of Satan in order for one final battle to take place. Now, this has yet to come. This is one vision that we have yet to see happen. How it's going to play out, I don't know. It, we're going to describe, we're going to read something about a final battle. Will it take place in the Valley of Jezreel or the Valley of Armageddon in Israel? I don't know. I cannot deny that, but it could just be a picture representing spiritual warfare throughout the whole world. So we need to be very careful. We need to be a little flexible on how we understand and interpret this. There have been too many Christians who think, well, if we take this literally, this hasn't happened yet, so I'm okay. We're okay. We're fine. We don't have to get alarmed yet. And then Satan moves in a little closer. And then they read a little bit further. Well, this hasn't happened either, so we're still okay. And Satan's moved in a little bit closer. Until it's too late. In all of this, we can be assured that if we are his, he has sealed us. We don't have Satan's mark. We have his mark. We don't have allegiance to the devil. We have allegiance to our Lord. And though we might see some experience, some persecution, some suffering, some discomfort, some anxiety, it's only temporary. Verse 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who takes, who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that they may not go out naked and be exposed, be seen exposed. Again, this is borrowing from, borrowing or hinting at the language of the Passover. When the Lord gave instructions to Moses and the people of Israel to get ready for Passover, Prepare your meal. Don't eat unleavened bread. Don't even wait for the dough to rise. Just go ahead and make the dough, bake it in the oven without leaven, and eat it standing up. Fully clothed with your sandals on, get ready to leave. And that's what he's hinting at here. I am coming like a thief. Blessed is a man who stays awake. Be ready for the Lord. He's hinting at, his, at the Lord's second coming. He's reminding us that we see these things come to pass. It is very soon.
verse 16. They assembled them, these frog-like demons, calling the armies together. These, they assembled them at the place that in the Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a cloud and a loud voice came out of the temple and from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city, speaking of Babylon, the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great, to make her drain the cup of wine and the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found, and great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of hail because the plague was so severe. I remember as a youngster when I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to do and mom or daddy would come after me with a belt or a switch. I was very quick to repent with tears and anguish. It's hard to imagine people in this world experiencing, receiving the judgment of God in refusing to repent. Such is the proud pride of man's heart. Such is the hardness of his heart. That's why the Bible keeps describing the heart of man as spiritually dead it is cold it cannot it cannot respond it does not see light the holy spirit must give resurrecting life to that soul before anything can happen We are seeing in this world and in this day some things I didn't think that we would, I, you know, I knew they would happen eventually, but I did not think that they would happen in my lifetime. Well, I'll take that back. I did not imagine them happening in my lifetime. I always thought they could, but I said, nah, not in my lifetime. But then it just seems like when they... Looking back, I can see the, the progress slowly happening, but it seems like when they passed the law that allowed for homosexual marriage, everything just fell right over, and it's just been a flood, flood of all kinds of vile tolerance. The Apostle Paul even talked about such things, Second Thessalonians 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, 
we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be the God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So this man of perdition, as one translation calls him, the man of lawlessness, there is a term that he uses here. He calls someone you know what is restraining him now. Um, In 2 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8, For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. We aren't given a clear definition of who the restrainer is, but there is something holding back the coming of the Lord. Not holding back, but... The signal for his coming has not been yet been been revealed, and I wanted let me get back there again. I closed the book too soon. I was just reading this afternoon. I don't know why my brain can't find it now.
the problem is I was reading it in another Bible. I can't find it in this one. But it, you may know where it is and you can rejoice when you find it later. But it was talking about none of this that we're reading in Revelation will happen until the great falling away comes to the church, the apostasy. Paul knows and understands. He's been given revelation, not John's revelation, but revelation about some of the things that John has had, that once the church becomes apostate and falls away from the truth, all things evil going to rush in and take over. That's what John is talking about in Revelation. Things get so dark and so evil because the church loses its salt. That's why Revelation begins with admonition to seven churches. They are representative of the whole church throughout the world, throughout all history. And here we've come through a cycle of his visions where the final battle is about to take say take place. And victory for God and for his people is assured. Revelation 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come. I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on the earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in their hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written the name of, of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of martyrs of Jesus, when I saw her, I marveled greatly, but the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind of wisdom. Well, let's pause there. One of the seven angels comes to John to give him clarity about what he is seeing. And he talks about someone who he calls 
a great prostitute. I've read several commentaries, and there's a there's some disagreement about what this woman is, this female figure is. Some say that she is part of the world economy that tempts and lures people into, into sin, into, into greed, into avarice, into lust. But I tend to lean with those who consider this woman the apostate church. She has compromised with the beast, Satan, the world economy, the world politics. And she's enjoyed the comfort that provides her. And we can, I remember when the reformers broke free from the Catholic Church. They pointed to the Roman Catholic Church and called her the whore of Babylon. Because... The Roman Catholic Church then was very corrupt, very powerful, liked to adorn herself. You've seen the pomp and circumstance, the ceremony, the robes, the honor that she brought to herself. But there was pope after pope after pope and cardinal after cardinal after cardinal and bishop after bishop after bishop. who were corrupt and politically compromised, morally compromised. And that became a big problem for those who were faithful. And they broke free. I don't think that we... We can certainly say that the Roman Catholic Church, or part of it, is the influence of this unfaithful woman. They exist influencing the world's economy and the world's politics and the politics also influence the decisions from the church that the church makes. We've seen some of the present decisions, the recent decisions that the present pope has made. He's made some compromises about homosexuality, about gender transition. He's no longer true to the Word of God. So we need to recognize the Roman Catholic Church as part of it. We also need to recognize many of the Protestant denominations. The Evangelical Lutheran Church I believe the ELC also has made very many compromises. They tolerate and have ordained gay pastors. I saw a video that made me so I I there's I am finding that there is so much on the internet that you can find to prove these arguments, but they make me so mad when I watch them I don't like watching them. But this effeminate effeminate man had dark hair, but had blonde highlights and horn-rimmed glasses and tattoos up to his, all the way up his throat and earrings and a nose ring and a very effeminate smile and a very effeminate lift and tick. I'm gay and I'm a pastor and I'm here to tell you 
that the Bible does not say anything against homosexuality. You are welcome in the church. You can be what God made you to be. That kind of thing is what John is describing here. The great prostitute. King James calls it the great whore of Babylon. Where the church has compromised with the world. We need to recognize what is going on. The Bible is being fulfilled before our very eyes. And when we see that, we can also recognize that that is the apostasy of the church, the great falling away. Much of the church around the world has already compromised. You heard, I talked about a little bit of it in the morning message. Social gospel. Where there is no God of wrath and there is no Christ on a cross. That if we are just good to one another, if we just make things better in this world, we can usher in a utopia and everybody can be happy. That is part of the prostitute that John is talking about here. The apostasy of the church. And if, if this is the apostasy of the church, we can be assured that his coming is sooner than you think. Might not happen in my lifetime, but it's more likely to happen in the youngster's lifetime. Wouldn't that be special? Verse 9 of chapter 17, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the... Uh, he's talking about who this was. He's describing someone that existed then, and he's talking about those, how it relates to those in John's day. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman is seated. You remember she was on a beast, the, the dragon with seven heads and ten horns. The seven heads, and we talked about when we described that, we described that as world governments. Seven heads and seven mountains on which the woman was seated. They are the seven kings, five of whom have fallen, one is and one has yet not yet come. And when he does not, and when he does come, he must remain only a little while. There's a lot of mystery in this as well. We have to be very careful here not to draw too strong a conclusion. Um, there have been many who have said that John is describing the Roman Empire, and in this instances, he very well could. Because it's been said that Rome was built on seven 
seven mounts, or seven, there were great, seven great hills surrounding Rome. So he may very well be describing Rome for his day, but the application also points to us in our day. And these seven hills or seven mountains of which she is seated could just represent successive kingdoms or consecutive kingdoms. We just have to be very careful. In John's day, it probably applied to Rome because that was the most mighty, powerful political force in that day. That was the government. There have been others who have interpreted this as consecutive. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then finally Rome. And the seventh, those are that six, the seventh is representative of all the empires between then and the second coming. So if we are to take that interpretation, then we have been living in the seventh government influence since the time of the apostles. And it will end, as John describes it, in the final battle, in the coming of the Lord. We need to be very careful with how we look at this. We cannot say, that's exactly what this this means, so we have to look for that. These are general visions that apply to them, and they also give us wisdom. What we are seeing in the world today, the immorality, the corruption, the injustice, is explained here. It's clarified here. How many of you saw this last week um, where the FBI raided the homes of seven pro-life families because they happened to be at an abortion clinic in a state that still allows abortion and they were asked to leave and they refused. They didn't harm anybody. They just stood in the hallway trying to talk to the ladies who were now according to federal law they weren't supposed to be that close to the door but they didn't stop anybody. So the FBI went and raided their homes and took all kinds of information, laptop computers. They have already declared in a recent filing that pro-lifers should be considered terrorists in the United States of America. If they ever heard any of the messages that we broadcast, they might consider us terrorists. That's what's going on in John's Revelation. It's happening today.
this prostitute has been living off of the influence of the ungodly governments in this world. This false church has been has been existing with their permission and it will end one day. I'm going to stop there. I know we're midway, midway through that chapter, but um, we'll pick it up here next week. Do, are there any questions or comments? In the Roman time period, there were gods representing gods for the earth, gods for the stars, god for the sun. I mean, yeah, there were similar idols that they worshipped. You can also just look at today's world. People are worshiping, worshiping the worshiping nature, the earth. Let's protect this world. Let's keep it such hypocrisy. Just go with me on my walk when I walk my dog. There's trash everywhere. I, people zip by me on the road and they stuff's flying out the window. And from the first week, you know, the shutdown that started two and a half years ago, from the first week, I started seeing COVID masks on the side of the road. People just, I'm done with this, throw it out the car window. But they keep insisting we keep this world green and clean and perfect and let's not use fossil fuel although they are organic and they are from the earth let's not use them because they will poison the earth I'm not going to get started there it'll take too much time but yeah this world continues to worship anything but God so these plagues would apply let's keep our waters clean Keep our oceans clean. Yeah. We don't label them specifically, but that's, they are being worshipped. And it's all for political money. Nothing ever gets done. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't long after that decision was made, I saw on YouTube, there's a, the, out in San Francisco, uh, there's a gay choir that produced a video that said, we're coming for your children, singing a song about it. And sure enough, here they are. Yeah, I know it. Yes. This, this is demon influence, demonic influence going on in the world today. Y'all, some people might think I'm weird, saying, but that's the only thing that explains it. It is, ins- it is insanity. It's not mass insanity. It is demonic influence. The Lord has allowed them to be leashed on this world. They are inflicting their pain and suffering upon people, and it, it's just turned them all bitter and angry, and they think that if they get rid of the Christians, everything will be fine. That's why we need to stand and be ready to stand alone. Well, let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you have given us your word and its truth, and we well, we are alarmed at what we are seeing in this world. We look to your word and it's almost unbelievable, but it must be true because you tell us it is true. Your word describes it perfectly. And the spiritual warfare that is going on just outside of our perception is clearly seen in the news media, in the politics, in the threats, in the insanity that goes on. We ask, Lord, that we may have courage and boldness and faith to stand alone, to be determined to follow you faithfully. We're thankful that you have redeemed us and saved us. We're thankful that we are firmly in your hand, secure in your embrace. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to use us for your glory and for your purpose. We pray for Drew's sister, Rebecca, and her children, Logan and Rosalie. We pray, Lord, that your grace and comfort may continue to be present in their lives and in their hearts. May they have complete hope and assurance. That that the father and husband has been received into your presence. Lord, while in this world they wait for your short appearance or their calling home, provide for their needs, provide for their protection, always be faithful for their provision. We continue to pray for the snows that they may be strengthened and restored to regular 
a regular schedule. We ask, Lord, that you might be with our little congregation. Continue to bless us. Use us for your glory. We ask this all in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen.